Welcome back to episode nine of the Charged Up Show. Today's guest is an absolute powerhouse. He's the owner of Next Level Performance Training, NLPT. He works with the St. Louis Blues NHL team as a strength coach, and he is the head strength and conditioning coach at the University of Waterloo. Please welcome Andrew Hoff. Thanks for having me, guys. And I, you know what? Commend you guys for, for using this whole quarantine time to do something productive, but but I also, you know, I'm happy to be here because you guys are, you know, being advocates and celebrating local athletes. And that's kind of what got me into this whole thing. So I can't wait to have this conversation and see where it goes. Yeah, thank you very much. On. And it's been really interesting over the last couple of weeks trying to interview a whole bunch of different diverse people, you know, in the, in the sports or athletics um, like community around our local, our local Waterloo, Cambridge region. So it's been great. There's so much going on, and I think our area has so much to celebrate in the world of sport. And, you know, like yourselves and Darren Stevenson and people out there who are, who are giving credit to athletes who are putting in some really, really good work, I, I think it just bodes well for, you know, our immediate um, athletic endeavors, but, but for the future as well. So I, I, I love it. Love to see what you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you very much. We, it was just kind of an idea that just popped right in our heads right at the beginning of uh, when we started getting into isolation just because we needed, wanted to make sure we're doing something and while we're doing something, maybe help out the community a little bit. Totally. But yeah, usually we, with all our guests, we start off a little speed round. Um, quick answers right at the top of our head and right away. Yeah, uh, so you're going to get, you're yeah, gonna get two right minutes. In. Two minutes just two to break minutes, the ice. Yeah. We, uh, we did this with Darren, so we'll be able to compare your answers to Darren. And, yeah, you guys can take it away. All right, Nate, it's all you. Question one, go to fast food restaurant. Well, if you're comparing me with Darren, I guess I got to deepen my voice and work on my, my <laughs> here and make sure I'm good to go. But uh, Favorite fast food. So uh, in Cambridge, uh, Le Moon, Mediterranean. Okay. Outside of Cambridge, anywhere else, Mucho Burrito. Nice. That's pretty good. If you go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Uh, I'd probably go back to Portugal. Back to Portugal. Hey, um, LeBron or MJ guy? I'm an M- MJ guy. Yeah. McDavid or Crosby? Crosby. Nice. Do you think pineapple and pizza is okay? Sorry? I think pineapple and pizza is, is a good choice or no? 100%. Yes. Okay. Is cereal a soup? No. No. <laughs> um, what superpower would you want? Oh, man. Uh, to fly, of course. Yeah. <laughs> to fly. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh man! I, uh, top of the head, top of the head. T- Endgame, Avengers. <laughs> oh nice. Okay, two more, yeah, two uh, more. Uh, no, two more questions. We're good. Keep going. Okay. Favorite NHL player? Uh, I guess I guess I almost got to pick a Blues guy. Uh, <laughs> personal yeah. favorite sport? 
so I, I would, I would, um, no, favorite, I, Crosby is probably my favorite player. That's fair. Yeah. And favorite sport to train. We're putting you in some tough ones. <laughs> um, but I, I, I really, um, I also enjoy the, the challenge of, of training, um, skiers as well. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay, That's so that, different. We didn't expect that. So that was just how yeah. we kick it off. But what I usually start with always is, can you run us through your history? So we ask players to talk about their career. But for you, let's run us through maybe your teenage years, university. And, and then after you say that, how, how did that lead you to becoming a strength coach? Wow. Okay. Um, well, I'm probably one of the, besides Darren, one of the oldest people on this podcast. And I think you could call me a player. I still play beer league. So, <laughs> um, so I, I grew up in Cambridge, um, born, raised, still lived here. Uh, I only moved away for two years to, you know, live with the boys at university. So, um, I guess my, my career, if you will, starts back when I was a kid, my, my dad worked, um, for the water regional police, um, as kind of the facilities manager coordinator. Um, so as a young kid, I would, I would go over to the police station over on Hespel road and go into their gym. And my dad would be doing some stuff around and just kind of making sure things are working right. And I'd go in there and he'd show me how to use a couple things and he didn't really know how to use it, but I started it go and be around a gym when I was probably, I don't know, like seven years old. So thinking it was pretty cool to move weight and, you know, that type of stuff. And, uh, you know, Nate, Keith, you probably haven't seen me in person. I'm not the tallest guy in the world. Uh, I'm a whopping five foot eight. So coming through Cambridge, we, we had a very, very competitive birth year. Um, our, our 1984 birth year, um, for, for whatever reason. So, um, as I got into travel hockey and playing and it was ultra competitive and I was usually the last one to get cut from the triple A team every year. Um, and it was always because I was too small. Right. And, you know, being a young kid, I, I didn't know what that meant. So, you know, if you've ever been cut, it's an emotional process and it sucks and you come home and with tears and, uh, you know, my, my mom and dad were always my rock with that and the message was well just control we can control and bigger bigger stronger stronger faster faster so that that mindset got me into training um at a very very young age and you know probably training like an idiot but i i did whatever i could to try to be bigger bigger stronger stronger faster faster whether that meant putting on rollerblades and going behind elgin street school and rollerblading up the hill or rollerblading around Cambridge or going to a church and just going in circles forever. I, I just did whatever I could, um, to get better. And then that kind of led into high school and, um, I went to GCI. Um, so I kind of, at that point, I actually, when I was in grade 10, I, I stopped playing travel hockey, um, for, for almost two years, I, I just I played house league and I played every sport possible. I played volleyball, I played tennis, I swam, I um, and I trained hard. I, I was in the gym six days a week, got really into strength conditioning. 
Um, and then at that point, all my buddies were starting to play, you know, junior B hockey and OHL hockey. We started off to go down and play in the NCAA. And, you know, I started my thought, like, I, I think I can do that. I think I can do that. I can make the jump from house league. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, well, why not? And then, then I just started to practice and, and do whatever I could. And then that next year, I, you know, played junior D, which, you know, was pretty cool for me. And I, I won rookie of the year in junior D and then moved up to junior C and played all-star. And I'm like, oh, maybe I could get a scholarship or I could play this at university. So I um, I started to kind of go down the NCAA route and, you know, put feelers out to various D3 schools. And, um, and then originally I, I – was recruited to play hockey at Waterloo. Um, so I got into kinesiology, um, wanted to go and play hockey there, coach came to watch, but in that time that the coach got fired, a new coach came in and, you know, put a message out to me like, hey, you're on a recruit list. How big are you? How tall are you? And I'm like, oh, 5'8", 170. <laughs> and I have 35 points in junior C. <laughs> I think we're going to go a different direction and get some OHL players. So... <laughs> So I, um, I still with Waterloo, um, kept playing a junior. I, I think I just played junior D just to have some fun at that point. Um, while I was going to university, um, I was also working at GNC, kind of in the supplement field, still heavily involved in understanding, you know, science and practice of, of training. Um, did, did my undergrad at Waterloo. At that point, you know, I thought I was going to be a, uh, a teacher um, originally. And then I quickly found out, like, I was doing some teaching. Um, I was really into physics, um, mathematics, along with, obviously, the kinesiology science piece. So I got my teachables in biology. Um, I, have, I have a minor in biology. Um, so I was going to kind of go down that route. And I'm like, no, this, this, isn't, this isn't really for me. So I actually, I, I enrolled... Uh, or applied to three schools to do a master's in um, physiology, so master of Western and Waterloo. Um, I got accepted to all of them at that point. I chose Waterloo because the, the head coach at Waterloo, I, I went to him and asked, like, hey, like, can I be your strength coach? Like, you guys don't have a strength coach for your varsity team. And so he's like, okay, well, what experience do you have? So during my undergrad, I was doing some personal training just with – moms and dads at home and you know I, I, I didn't have a lot of coaching experience per se but I was super super passionate and I uh I remember like he asked me he's like well it's like yeah you can do it he's like but you gotta how are you gonna make our team better so I just laid it out and I said my, my passion my energy I'm gonna do whatever it takes whether it's picking up tape or videoing or I just want to come and I want to be a student and I'm going to do whatever it takes to help the team win. So outside the scope of strength conditioning. So I ended up staying at Waterloo because I was able to be the strength conditioning coach for the varsity hockey team um, alongside doing masters. So that process took place and I worked my butt off. I was probably working as a volunteer strength coach for 40 hours a week, going on road trips, going to practices, um, doing whatever I could to be part of the team. I was doing um, video analysis at that point. So I was breaking down power plays and penalty kills. I was going on recruit trips, ton of stuff outside of strength conditioning. 
on top of strength conditioning and then on top of my masters. So as I was kind of going throughout this process, I was starting to discover my masters was in intracellular muscle physiology. So very science based. We're doing, um, you know, looking at really molecular biology and um, various enzymes in the body and how training causes adaptations. And it was really cool stuff that's impactful, but it kind of led me down, at least in that scope of research and academia, it wasn't for me. I was really, really becoming attracted to the coaching piece um, in strength conditioning. Um, at that point, there was no jobs. There was there was maybe two strength conditioning facilities in Waterloo region. Um, there was no strength coaches in Bay or even at the OHL level. There wasn't a lot of you know strength conditioning going on. I think the Rangers had had one, but that was kind of it. Um, so I I just I'm like I'll start training. So I at that point I I, I bought my um, my grandpa's van. My, my parents had a cottage then. We went to Sarnia and I bought a parachute. I bought a BOSU ball, a stability ball, some resistance bands, and some medicine balls. And I just started training people out of the back of my van. So we had some connections at Waterloo that I started training some people there um, out on the back of Columbia ice fields. Obviously still training the University of Waterloo um, men's hockey team at that point. Started out, I probably had 12 clients my first year and maybe one team. Um, that next year, going into the second of my master's, then I got, I think I had six teams on, um, a couple teams in Cambridge, a couple teams in Waterloo. I started to get some more OHL players that were kind of going down the path of getting drafted. Started to get a little bit of a reputation. I still, compared to how I coach now, I was qualified whatever to do to be a coach, but I just persevered and coached and I would travel from Plattsville to Waterloo to Cambridge to Guelph to I would travel anywhere anybody wanted me to coach them <clears throat> that next year I, I still didn't have a business name really um, didn't have anything but then I had 16 teams that I trained at local high schools um, so Matt's brother Brian was probably one of the first teams that I worked with uh, and then, then it all kind of started from there uh, I figured at that point, I'm like, if I want to be taken seriously, I can't be working out of the back of my van. So I signed a lease um, in Kitchener. Um, I figured Kitchener was the best spot to position because we had teams in Cambridge and teams in Waterloo. So it was halfway. So I picked Kitchener as kind of that halfway point. Got into the lease. I'm like, okay, I just four walls, got a washroom. I'll put some turf down, put some stuff there. Perfect. Good to go. Um, obviously not the case. There's things called building permits and actually operate properly. And a building inspector came in and said, Oh, you need a HVAC unit. You need this, you need this. So that was a, a ton of money out the door. Um, persevered through that and a bunch of other things, um, was in that space for five years. At that point, another five really good facilities opened up in KW um, our client base was pretty much in Cambridge. We moved back to Cambridge. Um, in our location that we currently are, both my wife and I, so my, my wife and I own the facility. She runs the clinical side. Um, kind of, I, I guess I oversee, I don't really run the, the training side as much. We have staff that do that. 
Um, and then now four and a half years ago, we opened a second location in Stratford. Um, I guess it's just on the NLPT side. Um, during that time, tons happened, which we can talk on. I think I saw in the questions about Owen Sounds. Maybe we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like we, we actually just sold our Stratford location a month and a half ago because I wanted to test an arrow from a impact perspective. It was just becoming a little bit overwhelming with my kid and my other jobs. And, and I just felt I, I wanted to narrow my focus on, on developing our, our community here in Cambridge. So we can kind of unpack the rest of that. There's obviously lots of things that is going on at the same time, but that's kind of from a NLPT side where we got to today and where I got to, you know, with my role with the Blues and um, the University of Waterloo, where I am full-time right now, um, and still trying to have an impact, you know, through the community, through NLPT. So, I just sure. want to also, uh, before we get into anything else there, just congratulate you on all your hard work there, because like I said before, um, I, I went to, I was at an OPT all all last year, and I, I absolutely loved it. It was amazing. So you've really built a really, truly powerful uh, business there. Thanks. I, I mean, it's it's cutthroat. It's competitive. Like, but yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, that's what keeps me going through all of this is is knowing that we're having impact on people. Like it, it would, you know, people ask like, "Do you really need to have it anymore?" And I'm like, "No, I, I, I don't. I, I don't." But I, I want to because I think it's it's doing really really good um, for our community and it's allowing people to grow. So. It's like no, I, I don't need it, but I, but I want it for the community. So, right? Yeah, of course. Happy yeah. to hear it's still having impact. Yeah, okay. on your story okay. there, I just want to or like, cut anything, but um, it's crazy on your start of that story there. Like, it, you literally explained it was kind of strange, like how I want my future to be in. Like, I, I um, I want to go to school, hopefully with kinesiology. I don't know where what school I'm I'm landing at, but um, and then like from there either go chiropractic way or even do like personal training either like gym teacher way so you seem like a really knowledgeable guy and it was great to kind of see like where you you ended up now from trying all these different avenues like when you went to school you experimented with different sports um so yeah it was it was just kind of cool it was it was crazy like when you're explaining all this like wow that's it's kind of how i want to end up at you know but i think it's 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 challenging when you're young and you're driven and you're like, I'm going this direction, this is what I'm going to get. And, you know, even for me, it was, it was hard when I'm like, Oh, like at one point I wanted to be an accountant. Yeah. And it was like, oh no, I don't want to be an accountant. And then like these, these kind of left and right turns. But I, I think that just, you know, working hard and staying focused and staying on a path, whether you go right or go left, you're going to result in a place that you're going to be happy and hopefully be fulfilled. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think coming from a perspective, I'd say that's, that's pretty crazy here. And, um, I don't know how to put the grind you kind of went through. You don't, people wouldn't know that. Like, uh, me, like Keith just coming to NLPT, last year right he would see that product where he wouldn't see all like all like you said all the driving you did before that was even a thing like i think that's pretty interesting and for people that listen and and most of the hockey guys in cambridge have been to nlpt right and they would who knew right all the things you had to do to get to that point i think that was really cool hearing that part of the story 
it's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Like at, at one point, we I was down to our last twelve hundred dollars, and we had no equipment, like no equipment. So I found a gym that was closing in Wingham, and we went and bought their equipment, and it was all rusty dumbbells stuff like that. So we painted them and and did whatever we could to just get equipment in the gym. And then during from there on out, like I, we had no like investors or anything like that. Like it was just anytime I wanted a piece of equipment, I saved up and bought it. So for the first seven years of my life, and you know, within that facility, I, I think I paid myself, you know, less than thirty thousand dollars a year. It was just enough to get by, and because I just didn't reinvested everything into every piece of equipment. So anything that you see there today. It's because I, we just saved and saved and saved and bought and saved and bought and saved and I went about doing it that way. Yeah, yeah a lot I, of your blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, a lot of a lot of all of those things, a lot of all of those things. So yeah, okay. there has been tears. I'll tell you that much. So we have your uh, coach in Owen Sound, and um, that's really cool. We've had some uh, people on the podcast who. Who played well? A lot of people in the OHL who've either won sound or, or like played against them, right? So, what um, what were your roles there, and what did you take away from it, and how did that help your development as a as a coach? Totally. Um, well, maybe I'll just take a step back. So, the the Owen Sound role, um, again, I kind of I got into the world of strength conditioning at the right time, but there wasn't a lot of people going into strength conditioning. It wasn't a really well-defined field at that point. So I was working with um, Mike Helmo at that point. So so Mike um, is a 1991 birth year out of Waterloo. Um, um, so he, um, it was two sides. So he introduced me to um, the, the general manager at that time and kind of asked, hey, do you guys have this strength, you know, a conversation? And then kind of at the same time, I got asked to speak down in Oshawa at the under 15 program of excellence. And the um, athletic therapist, Andy Brown, who's still there, um, was at that talk that I did and asked, like, hey, like, you ever thought about being a strength coach in the OHL? And it kind of just the stars aligned perfectly. My, my wife, Alba lives in Oshawa. So we, we met for coffee at Tim Hortons one day and just had a good conversation. At that point, I was 22 years old, still very young. Um, didn't know a lot about strength conditioning. And, you know, he gave me the opportunity, Dale DeGray, to come in and be a strength coach. So um, it's like, Owen Sound, like, how did you do that? Well, I, I drove to Owen Sound every week. Um, usually we would go up and I would, um, so this is when NLPT was starting. I would go up, I would get to Owen Sound for about 6.45 a.m. So I would leave here in Cambridge at about 4.15 in the morning. Wow. I would drive up. I would coach the um, guys who were in school um, before they went to school. And then the breakfast club, so the older guys would come in at about 9.30. I would train them. And then I would probably leave from home around 11, 11 a.m. or so. Drive halfway, I'd probably be exhausted. I'd pull over, have a little bit of a nap in Mountain Forest, and then drive all the way back. And then I would coach at NLPT from 3 till 9 p.m. Um, so that that kind of process lasted for seven or eight years. I was, I was 
in Owen Sound as their strength coach. Um, that first year, you know, just again, the tough stars were aligned. Um, we had a phenomenal team. Um, we, we ended up winning the OHL um, championship that first year. Um, you know, at that point, I, I thought, like, oh, yeah, it's like strength coach, and I played a huge, huge part in this. And I skilled while well, went on to play, you know, or still playing in the NHL. Um, but I, you know, I would go up and do what I thought was right at that time. Um, but during that time and working with um, that level of athlete, it kind of made me understand like how it how it for me. Uh, I, I was so young that I, I didn't really have what I would call a hammer to discipline or, or hold people to account. But I started to build really, really good relationships with my athletes and they listened to me and I was, I was really invested in helping them get better. Um, that gave me a little bit of cred with them, I guess. Um, so I was in Owen Sound for seven years. I learned a lot from a lot of really, really good coaches. Um, you know, I started with Mark, you know, the late Mark Reeds, who, who passed away um, when he was with Ottawa. And then into Greg Ireland, who's still coaching over in Switzerland. Um, Drew Bannister, who's, who I'm actually working quasi with in the St. Louis organization right now. Um, uh, Ryan McGill, who's the assistant coach with um, Vegas Golden Knights right now, he he was incredibly hard on me. Um, not not in a, in a mean way or anything like that, but his level of detail was just through the roof. Um, and I probably you know next to Ryan Bork when I was you know initially coaching at the university in my masters, I learned the most from him in terms of, you know, what it takes to kind of rinse out performance from your athletes. Um, so, yeah, it was two years ago when I was offered the, the role with St. Louis. I, I had to give that up because obviously I'm going in different different rooms, visiting kids from different teams. So I um, my, my experience in Owen Sound, I, I, that, that organization, I know it's kind of cliche. You know, people say this organization is great, but – they're unbelievable from the ownership group. It is, it is a family run business up there. Like it is was everyone. The fans are amazing. Everyone's supportive. Like the fans knew who I was like the, the management, Dale DeGray and how he runs it. The, the therapy group led by Andy Brown, the coaching staff that have come in, like they, that organization takes care of their people. They take care of the kids, the, the billet families. I just, I, I, I mean, I have nothing, but they're awesome. So I just, I get a little bit emotional thinking about them and kind of just the, because without, without, without the, the experience I got in Owen Sound, I, I for sure would not be in the position I am today. So yeah, really incredible. Thank you. If, they, if someone in Owen Sound is seeing this, thank you. And I just, um, if any kid has the opportunity to play in that city, like you'll know how special it is. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really amazing story. It's, and it, it's cool that that's how you kind of, or you, the development started from there. That's really, it's a whole special story. Yeah. Um, bringing, bringing the lighter side of it. We obviously talked about all the connections you had, but on the lighter side, who was, who do you think was, um, or a couple of them are the most notable player you worked with when you're in seven years in Owen Sound. Like, what was the coolest for you personally? I 
don't it's that's hard um like it's there was no i i think the cool like the coolest thing i look at just stories is a guy like curtis gabriel um mm-hmm. who was undrafted by gel and, and got you know seen out of summer skate and came in and just how hard that kid worked um you know irregardless of what anybody else was saying he was he would wake up early and stick handle be in the gym and just work his ass off and i, I think the story of him and then now like having a now a tenured professional career at the nhl and nhl level and, and still embracing the quote-unquote grind i think that's one of the coolest stories just from a development perspective mm-hmm but but it, it just to, to see players you know uh, the, the, the talent um, the overall commitment to performance some of these guys had and guys I don't like to name drop and because th- there's so many kids that you know yeah they went to the NHL but there's other kids that went to university hockey and, and had tremendous careers and became tremendous people so I I think that. Um, it's easy to say, yeah, those, those guys who are in the NHL are, are the coolest stories, but it, they're, they're part of the entire story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of you, as a coach, you, you learn from them. I hope they learn from me a little bit and have impacted their careers. But I, I think it's important for all of them to know that they've, they've helped shape who I am as well. So yeah, that's a really humble answer. That's, yeah. That's pretty- it's an interesting way to look at it for sure. Like I think most people would have quickly said the most notable NHL are, but I think that really shows something that the way you went with that. And that is a really good point that um, not everyone makes the NHL. There's people who go to Europe and there's people who go to school and then start start a normal job. And I think that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to get back uh, a little bit into your work with the St. Louis Blues? I think that's going to interest a lot of people too because it's a uh, really cool with an NHL team. So prior to prior the, the St. Louis Society, um, like it's, it's, it's a very, very much – part-time consulting type role that I, that I do, but my, my role is the development strength coach. Um, so from the time players are drafted into our organization um, to when they are playing full-time, either with the Blues or, or with our um, AHL affiliate, which is now in Springfield, Massachusetts, um, they're, they're my responsibility from a programming and oversight perspective. So obviously we have players across North America, we have players across the world, um, that, that we're overseeing from a programming standpoint, and we're making sure that they are they're developing in a way that gives them the the greatest ability to have impact at the professional level. Um, and, and I say that in the sense that they have capacity to play at our level. Um, so, and that comes back from a testing and program direction from our head strength and conditioning coach in, in St. Louis, and making sure that. They're developing in a way that they, when they do get to that level, they, they A, have the skill sets in the strength conditioning sense that they need. They have the behavioral skill sets outside of the gym that they need. And then obviously they have the ability to, to play the systems that we want them to play in the roles that they need to play um, at the professional level. So uh, that kind of brings in the programming, testing, and the, the coaching piece. Um, but yeah, this opportunity started really it's almost six five six years ago even before that 
Um, so I volunteered with the Maple Leafs for a couple years, a couple summers, which kind of gave me a little bit of a resume builder. Um, and then this opportunity came up. I went down and just volunteered just to shadow and observe um, development camps and training camps for a couple years and help with their testing and try just, you know, I wasn't going down for any, any other reason just to learn um, and try to have, you know, impact and, and you know, be, be a good member of the development group um, when I was down there. And then kind of during that time, um, you know, I was doing a good job and, and kind of, you know, helping out a little couple things here and there. And then they said like, you know, would you be interested in coming on as our development strength coach? And obviously you're going to kind of jump at that. And, you know, I made sure that it was, you know, okay with my full-time job at the university and I'm very fortunate enough that they support that. Um, and then I'm now going into my third year of, of helping with St. Louis and, and helping the prospects chase their dreams. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's cool that it's an NHL job and, you know, everything like that. And, you know, obviously, you know, with the Stanley cup and all that kind of stuff that happened is, is awesome. But I think that the biggest thing is, is that I get to be part of helping kids chase their dreams. Um, I think that's what's most exciting for me. So yeah, it goes back to that idea that, Oh, it's cool that, yeah, you're in the NHL and, you know, you get to go down there and, you know, fly a plane to Traverse City and that type of stuff. But I think at the end of the day is when you get to see a kid, literally a kid, get drafted to the NHL and then, you know, sign their contract and play their first game. And that's the most rewarding part is that you got to be part of their story. So, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of what my role is. It's, it's very much part-time, so I, I will go down for development camp this year is a bit weird, obviously. Um, so normally development camp is after the draft. Um, so I go down and, and be part of welcoming them into our organization and teaching them what our systems are, obviously through the direction of our head strength edition coach um, and making sure that they understand the expectations throughout the offseason. During the offseason, obviously they're across the world, so I'll touch in, make sure I'm communicating with their strength coaches wherever they are, the expectations that we have. And then I'll see them again at our rookie tournament, which is normally in Traverse City, where I'll go and I'll be kind of the strength coach for our, our rookie team um, in Traverse City. And then everyone goes back to the junior teams, and I go back to the university. And, and kind of during that, their competitive seasons, I'll be touching in on a regular basis, make sure they're they're doing the work they need to do. And then the, the kids that are within Ontario, I'll usually visit once a month. Um, the kids who are within Canada, I'll, I'll visit during their December break. And then the European kids, it's a bit tougher to get over there and see yeah. them. Um, and then, then I'll be part of the conversation during the draft. Um, so I'll go to the, the combine and, and observe, take notes, and kind of consult with our, our director of um, scouting and assistant general manager in St. Louis to make sure that we're making as, as informed decisions as possible when it comes out of the draft. So that's kind of my role. It, it's fantastic. Um, it, it serves as a great development platform for myself too. That's amazing. Yeah, and I think um, well, it's clear that from all the stories that you told so far, so far that your your whole career in general is is very diverse, and it seems like it's a lot. You're putting a lot of work and effort into all this. What would you say to people listening 
of how do how do you manage your time and do you find that as a, a challenge to stay on top of everything yeah it's it is challenging for sure um i think you know when a lot of people ask me like how do you how do you do it i love what i do <laughs> like um and which is good and bad and early on like you just you say yes to everything and every opportunity you're saying yes to and I think now I'm saying no to a lot more um, because I do need to protect my time, protect my energy and, and my family. Um, so I, I, I'm very, I'm very, I try to be as organized as possible. Um, I prioritize my time and when it's time to work, I really, really work. Um, I work hard. Um, and, and now I'm at a point where the Stratford location and and starting to kind of let go of things that, that aren't having um, impact on my career goals and impact on my family um, and the community that I want to have impact on. And then I'm starting to kind of say no to that. So I, um, that's how I keep keep it all organized, I guess. And I, I I think the other piece is just, you know, a, a team, around me, um, starting with my, my wife, <laughs> um, you know, I'm thinking about how many people get to have a husband and wife duel where you get to, you know, from a, that side, the business side is, you know, we, we get to run it together. Um, and then, you know, the, the staff at NLPT and, you know, they're unbelievable. Like they're, they're tremendous coaches. They're responsible. They're driven. And I can trust them. I can trust them to do a great job and carry on our mindset and, and legacy. And, and that really frees me up um, to do my job at the university um, and have the impact that I want to have up there with our varsity athletes and our student strength conditioning coaches and across our entire um, really student body at the university and kind of the impact that, that I want to have um, with our collaboration with kinesiology. Um, and then, you know, my, my time that I do spend in St. Louis, I just go down there and have it. Perfect. Yeah. That's amazing. I think, I think the reason why I asked that question is because there's a lot of people right now listening and everyone's in the same situation of of being in quarantine. And I think it's important for people to realize that there's things that you can do in times of, uh, not despair, but like this is a uh, low time because you can't do much, but there's always something to do. And I think your worth work ethic shows up people that like you can do a lot more with your time than just sit around. Right. And there's, there's always something to do. And with your stories, you've shown that you're, you're the type of person that gets those things done and doesn't waste a minute. And that's, that's really amazing. So Yeah. yeah. yeah, it's, it's challenging, like for sure. Like, I'll be honest like this I've had times in this last weeks that it's been emotional it's been stressful it's the uncertainty of it all has not been easy to digest you know we we have had to um you know university we've had to completely pivot and go completely online with our coaching within NLPT We've had to pivot and train our staff to get online and look at insurance and make sure that we're, you know, we're covered, you know, even though we're online coaching and, and then obviously 
planning to come back and make sure we can operate in a safe manner. And it's, it hasn't, it's been very, very busy. Um, but it's also as challenging it is, as a time it is for so many people out there. Um, it's, it's pushed me to grow and expand and, and work on what needs to be worked on. And, you know, what I don't have control over, don't worry about control what you can control and, and, and just drive forward with that. I think now is the perfect time to, we kind of touched, touched on it briefly a couple of times. Let's jump into the university of Waterloo. And that's obviously a really significant part of your life in the last uh, year or two. And can you tell us, you said there is connection to kinesiology. Can you explain the job and what in titles and the connections and how you bridge that to university? Totally. So the, the role of the university came four years ago now, so I, I won't forget it. I was, um, I was kind of at a little bit of a turning point in my career. Like I working with young kids. Um, I enjoyed the, the business side, but there was something missing. Um, and it really came down to building a collegiate program. It's something that's been on my, my wish list to accomplish in my career. I wanted to have impact and I wanted to have um, the opportunity to collaborate with a kinesiology department and start to build out more of the sports science piece uh, of my profession. So um, at that point, I, I saw posting for the job. I was at my college and my parents and I saw a job posting come up and um, I, I texted uh, Brian Bork, who's the associate director and um, head coach at Waterloo with the men's hockey team and said, Hey, like, what's, what's this all about? Like, and he's like, Oh, it's, it's actually for a mat league coverage for the rec. He's like, but we're potentially going to be hiring a strength coach. I'm like, yeah, cool. Like when that comes up, let me know. I'd be very, very interested in, in, in looking at that. So during that time, um, I kind of back and forth a little bit and then he's like, yep, yeah, we're, we're hiring for it. The original role was to come in and just work with five teams. It was going to be working with, um, men's hockey, men's and women's volleyball, and men's and women's basketball. So Waterloo at that point, um, their strength conditioning had kind of been siloed out. They, they, um, some people would come in and consult, but there wasn't really any coaching and just kind of centralized guidance for strength conditioning at the university. So um, Bob was offered to me in a, in a year and a half contract position to start. Um, and I came in guns a blazing. I, I, I wanted to reshape the culture. I wanted to change um, how Waterloo was all, Waterloo's my alma mater. It's where I went to school. I have a lot of pride for the school and I wanted to, A, just give back. I wanted to see us succeed athletically. And, and I also wanted our university, because of how strong kinesiology is, I, I wanted to be part of creating a hub within Canada for performance. Um, which is, is still in the process. So during that first year, we, we came in, we, we didn't have an intern program. We had some keen students who were kind of involved in, in, in strength conditioning a little bit. Um, so that first year was just really kind of getting feet wet, building relationships with the athletes, building relationships with the coaches, trying to have impact as much as we could across campus. Um, as we kind of move into what we do now is now we're working with 14 of our, um, 
or 30 varsity teams. Um, we have a student coach um, program where kinesiology students will um, be, you know, strength conditioning coaches as students, which I never had the opportunity to be, you know, and have a mentor growing up and bounce ideas off of and get some reflection. So now we have that process in place. We're going to be having a formal strength conditioning course for third and fourth year kinesiology students, um, which was never a thing um, when I was coming up. And, you know, with the investments and the leadership that we have in the university with the new facilities we have coming up, we're very, very well on our way to becoming a force in the strength conditioning and in athletic performance field at the university. So I, um, I, I am very grateful and every day I'm very excited to wake up and continue to be part of the growth and development that we have here. And I, I think that, you know, when I, when I look at, you know, what I do at the university is, Yes, I, I coach and I coach a lot and I, I really enjoy it, but but it is more than that. It's it's developing a mindset, it's developing a system of performance, and it's developing a system for growth for students who want to enter the this profession. And it doesn't have to be high performance strength conditioning, but it, it can be anything within the scope of service. So if if you wanted to go into physiotherapy or chiropractics or strength conditioning or personal training, whatever it is, I, I hope that my experience in the system that we've developed act as a great springboard for people to go out and have impact in their communities upon graduation. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, but the, the difference of the university is just, it's, it's so collaborative. It's um, like every day is a different task. Like, you're working with a volleyball athlete one day and then you're working with a swimmer and then you're working with a student who's trying to figure out how to put a program together and, you know, give them feedback. And then you're, you know, you work with the hockey guys and like, I don't want to say the hockey guys are easy, but obviously I come from a hockey background and I like, you know, work with NHL players. And it's just like, that's kind of the easy part, but it's also the challenging part because what you forget about at the university is, especially at the University of Waterloo, is it is academically very, very challenging. Very challenging. You have 18-year-old athletes who are moving away from home, who are trying to figure out academics, who are trying to figure out the psychosocial piece of being a student, who are trying to perform optimally in school, who are into engineering, trying to get co-op jobs. So... I think, you know, what I like most about the coaching piece of the university is that you are really working with people, people who have life going on. They are not robots. They don't have buffets of food waiting for them. They don't have chefs. They don't like, these are people that, that really need you as a rock. And, um, I think that's the most, um, it's when, when you get to help a, a student athlete through a challenging time and see them have success on the other side of it, or, or just see you have a challenging time and you get to be a resource for them. I don't know. Like it, that means more than any ring that you could put on your finger. For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's a hard challenge for university students to find that balance, especially if you're a high like level athlete to find really the equal of, okay, I need to spare time with my schooling and also make sure I'm on top of my game with, with athletics as well. Yeah. And that's, that's really where my role comes in is athletics and sport play such a huge part of the student athlete experience is, and if someone can't play because they're injured, um, then that's going to reduce their student athlete experience. So the strength conditioning world comes into developing resiliency and athletes that are able to withstand the workload um, that's going to be asked them in practice. So, you know, yes, it's about helping athletes pursue performance, but it's also making sure that their bodies are resilient enough and have the ability to enjoy life to its fullest um, during their, their time at the university. So, yeah. I, I think slowly slowly wrapping it up we've hit all the points and I'm sure we could definitely go into more detail on everything that we've talked about but I think uh, one of the last things that I wanted to touch on is what is it like working with NHL players or NHL with St. Louis but then also specifically what was it like having working with Brian Little through NOPT what is that like we can talk about him specifically or just him like in general NHL players in general what is that like yeah um, I think when, when you're dealing with any professional athlete, um, they are students. They want to learn. They want to execute. And they want to compete. And they don't want barriers in their way um, that are going to prevent them from achieving their goal. So I think what, how, what working with that level of athlete has taught me is is to help people remove barriers that are going to get in the way of helping them achieve what ultimate vision and goal is for their career. Um, so that, that could be any barrier, um, that, that could be, you know, helping them load weight. It could be helping them, you know, any, anything that you can imagine. I think that that's the difference when you work with that level of athlete. And, and obviously they have um, a lot more resource than, than other athletes, uh, especially at the varsity level. So, you know, they're used to having meals immediately there. And um, But I think, you know, the biggest thing has taught me is that they're human. They, they have um, real challenges too. Um, they... They're good people. Um, they want to be the best versions of themselves possible. Um, so I think, you know, whenever anybody hears like, oh, like, oh, yeah, you work with NHL players or pro athletes and, you know, you can get pretty hung up on that. But I think, you know, they, they do have high standards as they should. And I think that, you know, they get to that point because they've, they've put the work in and they've, they have embrace the lifestyle of performance for a very, very long period of time. And they just don't have time to waste. So don't waste their time <laughs> and, and be, be there for them and help them get to the peak of the mountain as smoothly as possible. So I look at it from the perspective, you know, if, if you were climbing Mount Everest and you know, 
you start off at the the bottom and you start to work your way up. Like, yeah, you get up to base camp and do pretty well. But as you get closer and closer and closer to the summit, you just need to have more resources around you to be able to kind of overcome that next step. And that's when you're dealing with pro athletes is, is making sure that not so much that you're the be all end all strength coach or the jack of all trades, but make sure that you're being an advocate for these people to make sure that they have the right resources and support structures around to allow them to take that next step and to be able to stay at that summit. And that's the, 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 you know, there's such a fine line between pushing so hard that they're going to break down and pushing hard enough to keep them, you know, at the top of their game. And I think it's just being, when you are working with athletes at that level, they don't want to be told what to do is you have to listen. You have to listen to them, you know, really in tune with the people that they are, what they need from you as a person, as a coach at that point, and then what other resources they need to give them the best possible chance for success. And then also learning from that and, and distilling it back down to the younger populations and saying, you know, what, what lessons can you learn from this athlete? And I think it's a disservice to say, if you do this, you're going to get to the NHL. Like that, that's not true. Like, it, like not everyone is going to reach a professional level of sport, but if you try to live a lifestyle of intent and impact and making continuing investment in yourself, that's never going to be a bad decision. <laughs> like it's always going to be a good outcome, whether you make the team or you don't make the team or you make the NHL or make the premiership or reach NCAA or, or you sport. Like if, if you make a decision to do something that is a good investment for yourself, good on you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Your, uh, your stories are really inspiring. I think that, I well, I'm I'm really inspired from hearing everything you've said today, and I hope everyone listening is too. So I think I think that's a huge huge accomplishment for uh, for our whole program to be able to even have someone like you who's so grateful and humble of everything you do. So I just want to thank you again for being a part of this. Oh, thank thank you guys. Like I said, like I my my really life purpose is to to be able to have an impact, um, on our community as a whole. Um, you know, my, through my work at Waterloo, the impact that we have obviously within our varsity athletes, but then our greater community and outreach and the interaction with the university or with the academic piece. And, and then, you know, hopefully through NLPT, we, we can continue to have a profound impact on, on the athletes and sport organizations here in Cambridge and, and just continue to be a resource. So, and you, you guys obviously play a big role in that. And I think the more people that we get speaking, um, language of growth and development and, um, vulnerability, and then it's okay to fail and, and kind of just embracing that. I think that we're going to position our entire community for, for something really special down the road. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for all this great information where I know that we're, we're taking it in well, and I hope everyone else is too, but thank you. Thank you so much again. Great guys. It was yeah. great to be able to be here for the first time in three weeks.
<laughs> yeah, thank, yeah thank you so much just like he said everyone listening hopefully can take stuff because like you talked about you've just learned your whole career and hopefully people can learn a lot from this so yeah thanks from all of us